Deborah Gilboa, and I'm a family doctor and a resilience expert and a mom of four. And wow, I'm really feeling the overwhelm and we're gonna talk about it. But before we do, I want you to meet my friend, Brian. Hi, Brian. Hey, how you doing, Debbie? As well as I am. mostly good, how are you? <laughs> I am uh, I'm in the Bay Area where we have now been locked down for months and months and months. So I think I'm going through what everybody else is going through right now. Jeanette, would you agree? Oh my goodness, yes. Hi, I'm Jeanette Kaplun. I'm a mom of two, content creator, and the default parent for everything. So yes, I am feeling all the overwhelm in the world. I'm glad you the, did a de default parent so I can drop my kids off at your house. I guess. Get, <laughs> catch a breather. I think a lot of people are taking care of everybody except themselves and that mm -hmm. only adds to the feeling of overwhelm which is something that continuously is coming up in my community. What about yours, Debbie? I hear about this from everyone. I have never heard so many people pause before answering the question, how are you? Do you notice so that? Do, do you hear uh -huh. it when you say to somebody like, how are you? And I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think in that pause is, do they wanna know the truth or are they just trying to move on with the conversation? Right? Like, <laughs> which answer am I supposed to give here? Because generally they don't want the truth. <laughs> Generally, they only just go, fine, so they can move on. A, a psychiatrist friend of mine who was saying that everyone she sees is feeling exactly the same way. And the thing about it is, is that everybody feels the same way, but everybody feels like they're the only one who's feeling this way. Well, I think that that adds to the overwhelm, feeling disconnected from people that we know, that we love, all of these little things that added up to our everyday routine, they're not there anymore. So that sense of isolation can really only add up to the sense that, oh, am I the only one going through this? Totally, and that's one of the reasons that we're here having this conversation because that feeling, that like mental distress, we, we don't really have a word for it. You know, if I get a cold, if I'm kind of under the weather, if I'm feeling sick, we have words for all those things, but we don't have words for what it means to feel distressed emotionally in the absence of true mental illness. And like 80% of adults have true mental illness that's chronic. But right now, the research is showing that more than 90% of adults say, yeah, I'm, I'm having those symptoms of mental something, distress, overwhelm in just the last six months. And we're here to tell you too that, that you are not by yourself. That, that's, that's what we mean when we say we got you. We, are, are going to give you some tips that hopefully will, will be helpful. But we want you to know, most of all, you're not by yourself. It's, it's everybody. And if we all join hands, we can get through this together. A hundred percent. We got you. We got you with not only information, but hacks, because we want to help you feel less overwhelmed. So here's the question that I have is I know what overwhelm looks like in my day, like in my world, for me, overwhelm looks like staring at my to-do list, knowing that any one of those things is approachable, but not having that extra like tiny bit of energy that I need to just do something. That's what overwhelm feels like for me. Brian, when you feel overwhelmed, what does it look like for you? It looks the same way. It looks like there are a million things that need to be done. And there are some that I can jump on and do right now, but I just, there's something missing that's stopping me from doing what I need to do when I need to do it. Well, yeah, I, and I also feel sort of like a brain fog, right? It's like, you know, you need to start mm -hmm. somewhere. You don't know where to start. And just like a tiny little thing that you hadn't planned for can throw off my entire day. So that's when I realize that I'm overwhelmed. 
I don't know how to react in, in, in a healthy way. And I have to take a pause, breathe in, and then realize, hey, I can tackle this one task at a time. And the little things seem huge. That's the worst part of it. When you're yeah, just the little things, and going to the store, cutting the lawn, the little things seem just like climbing Mount Everest when you're overwhelmed. That experience is something I'm hearing a lot about also from my patients. And, you know, when in the past one, I've said to a patient, okay, one change, because I always, always say to people, one, one change at a time. My favorite thing is January 2nd in the office when everybody says to me, this Dr. D, this is my year, man. I'm going to take a vitamin and I'm going to exercise every day. And I'm not going to drink wine except for once a week. And I'm, gonna, and I'm like, whoa, 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 pick one. Because if you try and make three or four or five changes all at once, you will be a really miserable determined person for about three and a half days, and then you'll blow it all off. So I always say to people, pick one thing, but now even picking one thing, people are like, I, I'm just trying to get through one day to the next or one hour to the next, because there are so many things coming at people so quickly. And Brian, one of the things that I wondered what your observation is, is like you are in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. How are people intera interacting differently? I feel like instead of enjoying entertainment, people are like, putting entertainment as a buffer between them and, and what's got to get done. Do you see Well, that? it's really hard for entertainers right now because we can't have audiences. You know, we, we can't have live audiences and, and that's what we feed from. You know, I say that as a comic and as a, as a solo performer that, you know, we get a lot of our energy and our strength for it's a, it's a communal experience that you're having. So we have done some shows over Zoom a lot, of, a lot of comics, a lot of performers have done some shows over Zoom, but it's just not the same thing. You're not, you know, you're not connected to them. And, and that, I think that goes with everyday life, even aside from, from the entertainment industry. And that is that we're not, especially if you're a people person, we are not connecting. And especially not connecting with our friends, not connecting with our families, not in any real tangible way. You know, we can talk on Zoom, but we can't give them a hug. I also feel that there is Zoom fatigue, right? So that can be overwhelming in itself, being mm -hmm. on screen, trying to keep concentrated, looking at the camera instead of looking everywhere. Also being self-conscious of how you're looking on a Zoom and just <laughs> paying attention to what everybody is saying is also overwhelming because we're not used to it. It is so different. Technology for many people also can only add to this overall sense of overwhelm. So I think there's so many little factors that once you add them up, it is like a huge deal. So, you know, you, you hit on something right there in terms of my overwhelm today, because of Zoom, you know, we, if we weren't doing Zoom, I would be in a t-shirt and in my sweatpants, but now I got to get ready. I got to comb my hair. I got to look okay for a camera, even though Although, I'm home alone. To be fair, you could totally still be wearing those sweatpants. We'd have no idea. I think that <laughs> Companies that sell nice tops are doing really well right now, but companies that sell nice pants, sorry. Doing zero. Like, yeah, <laughs> we don't really need that. <laughs> I constantly like to ask my audience how they're doing, what is troubling them, how their week is going, because I do feel that we take it for granted. Everybody's like on autopilot. Yeah, fine. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that we're not fine. And I want them to feel, as Brian was, say was saying, that we are not alone, right? And I would say that half of my community is fine with trying one hack, trying one small change, not too much, something that seems small, but that can make a big difference. 
And the other half is like, you know what? I can't deal with this right now. I'm overwhelmed. I, I'm not even answering your poll because you're asking too much of me right now. And that is also showing me the changes and the stress that they're under, which we're all under, but everybody's living it differently. And people don't like to talk about their problems in general and in the Hispanic community, even less. There's a lot of stigma attached to anything that could be construed as somebody being negative or depressed. People have an issue about talking about their feelings, about not being bright, bubbly, and smiling all the time. The same thing with the African-American community, that, uh, that when you're feeling overwhelmed or if you're feeling sad, or if you're dealing with personal issues, that is somehow taken, or for some reason, taken as a as a, a character flaw. When it's actually, you know, it, it's actually an illness, but it's a it's a temporary illness, but it's an illness nonetheless. And I just want to touch for a second on the fact that I'm so grateful that so many people in 2020 are starting to look differently at privilege. Mm. Privilege is a little bit of an obstacle though to people talking about their struggle and their difficulty. We need every individual to be able to say, I am having a hard time, I do need some help. So I, I just wanna thank you guys for coming to this conversation because this is almost everyone's normal right now is feeling somewhat overwhelmed. We're talking about overwhelm and nothing says overwhelm like one person trying to be everything to everyone because that's what they're drawn to do because they have a business and they have a kiddo and they have a partner and they have far-flung family and they have pets and they have a household to keep together and a budget to keep going. I would like to introduce you guys to a dear friend of mine. Alana Schwartz is all of those things and also a musician and also and also and also and it's so admirable but Alana it's hard right? It sure is Debbie. Alana this is Jeanette Kaplan and Brian Copeland and we are interested in what overwhelm feels like for you. Thank you nice to meet you Jeanette and nice to meet you Brian. Um, I think that this kind of sums it up I was watching Sarah Cooper and she said that she's looking for a cream that takes off the 12 years that she's aged in the last six months. And that's very <laughs> apropos. I need that. <laughs> I so need that. Totally. We have to listen that's, to that list of all yeah, the that's things that you put, do. Like, I think our, we have one job, and that is during this segment to teach you how to outsource. Yes. <laughs> Working on that. So, Alana, we're talking about overwhelm. What is overwhelm? Is that, is that a real struggle for you? Overwhelm is totally a real struggle for me, Deb. Um, I wear a lot of different hats during the day. I might be up at 5 a.m. fulfilling spinner orders. Um, as you know, we have a business together. It's called The Family Spinner, and we've sold 80,000 spinners. So 5 o'clock in the morning might find me on our back porch because it's the only quiet and peaceful place with everything spread out, fulfilling orders and mailing them out. And my day rolls with that. Um, we have a 10 year old son and he is exclusively online and he has ADHD. So I have to be with him to make sure that he is on focus, on task, um, working with the things that he needs to work on. Um, so that takes up a good chunk of my day. Um, I, we also have four pets, two dogs and two cats. One of them is a Corona puppy who is now 85 pounds. 
Um, so he has been taking a lot of my energy in terms of training and in terms of loving him and making him a part of our family. Um, so that's, that's what I do. Tell me a little bit about um, how you're able to run your business and to take care of your son with special needs and homeschool at the same time. Because that, that, I find that to be fascinating. Because I know I can't do it. <laughs> it's very difficult and it's an interweaving. So for instance, um, David might have an online lesson at eight o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. At nine o'clock or 9.30, I have to change clothes into a suit so that I'm at my Zoom meeting. Um, and then I have to change out of my suit because he has a class and he has homework and I have to clean the toilets and I have to peel the potatoes and I have to walk the dogs. So that's my next section of the day. Um, then I feed him lunch and then I might have to get back into a suit because I have another Zoom meeting. Right now I'm doing a lot of executive sales. What kind of sleep do you get? What kind of sleep? Yeah, what kind of sleep? I mean, do you get eight hours? Are you able to? What's eight hours? <laughs> he, means, he means in a night, not in a week, just to be oh, clear, right, Brian? Oh. Debbie, you had asked me at one point what makes things harder. It makes it a lot harder if one of the dogs wakes up in the middle of the night. We have a puppy, so sometimes his bladder calls him in the middle of the night. Um, and we have an elderly dog, so sometimes he's in pain in the middle of the night. Or sometimes David jumps into our bed in the middle of the night. That makes things a lot harder. Because on top of my routine and on top of all the things that I'm doing, doing during the day, I'm also exhausted. And, and when do you rest? Comes in. Yeah, because when do I rest? Yeah, when do you rest? Because you are tending to everybody's needs. And I think that reflects the reality of many of us right now. But you yes. also need to be in that priority list. So when do you rest? When do you take time for Ilana? Jeanette, you are so right. And what I've started doing is multitasking. So for instance, a friend for of mine- self-care? <laughs> multitasking your self-care yes listen um i have a good friend that does a meditation zoom every morning so i can't take 45 minutes to do a meditation zoom however i can put on the meditation zoom and listen to her calm soothing wonderful beautiful voice and do my dishes at the same time <laughs> another that thing is that multitasking. I, another yeah. thing that i started doing um, with our son i was finding that all throughout the day, I'm telling him to do things that he doesn't want to do. Get up in the morning, eat a healthy breakfast, brush your teeth, take a shower. Now do your homework, do this English class, do the science class, do the math class. And that was very emotionally difficult for me because I don't want to be the one that's the bad guy for him. So one of the things that I decided is that when we do the iReady math class, we're going to make this a bonding time. iReady is his absolute worst class. It's a, a lot of math repetition. So I put my arm around him. And we laugh about the class, how ridiculous it is. And we race um, to get to the equations faster. And then at the end of that, if we do it quickly, then we can share a Sprite or we can go out for a walk with the dogs or we can do something that's fun. And you do multitask a lot and I'm impressed, but I got one question for you. Out of all of the multitasking you do, if you had to break it down to a percentage, what percentage would you say that you're actually present? that you're actually present, present in terms of what it is that you're doing, yeah. Because when you're doing three or four or five things at the same time, you're not always that your mind is, is someplace else while you're dealing with all these things. What percentage would you say you're actually present? I'm sure you're present with your son. I don't know, Brian, you're asking a very good question. I often have five different things in my head at one time. Mm -hmm. What I've started doing is taking a 15 minute bath in between my day shift and my night shift. 
So at there the end go. of the day, before my husband comes home at around seven o'clock, I take a 15 minute bath and that's like a break for me where I am totally present and totally relaxed. There you and go. that gives me a little bit of a break between the day shift and the night shift. Plus you're not multitasking because not I multitasking. do have my doubts that multitasking <laughs> self-care is really healthy. I know it's all you can deal with right now. So we have to be realistic and sometimes we can't achieve the ideal. So we have to find something that works for us. But I do feel that those 15 minutes that you take for yourself during your bath, that really does the trick. Thank you, Jeanette. Alana, yeah. you're describing this experience of having things kinda in control, but I know <laughs> that you've gone through times during the pandemic when your brother was quite ill with COVID, when you had a lot of concerns, about, and, and they're far from you distance-wise, you know, in terms of miles, but very, very close to your heart, and you're really hands-on with your mom's health. What mm -hmm. happens to your ability to do the dishes and the meditation and your son's online learning and taking care of the dogs and keeping your business moving forward when something like that is pressing on your mind? It's very difficult and I have to compartmentalize. I haven't seen my mom in 10 months since COVID started. She's elderly and she lives in Florida. I do call her every single day and we talk. Another thing I wanted to talk about in terms of coping skills, I have three women friends uh, and we have a Facebook messenger um, group where we talk to each other in little tiny bits all throughout the day. And one of the things we talk about are gratitudes. So we, we try to type in three gratitudes every single day and that helps me a lot. But the other day I just typed in, you know what? I am feeling really ungrateful today <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> My friend said, shout it out, baby. <laughs> What thing in your life that you that you did or had to do on a regular basis before COVID do you now go, what was I complaining about back then, the way things are now? What's something that you had to do every day or had to do all the time before COVID now, you'd be happy to do it? Oh my gosh. We used to go out a lot. Like when I had, when I had David, maybe it was a day off of school or maybe it was a Sunday, we would take his friends, throw them in the car and go out to putt-putt. We'd go out to um, amusement parks. We'd go out to the zoo and then we'd all pile into the car and go to Eaton Park. Um, so we were very out, we, we used to get out all the time. And it was a huge adjustment for me just to have everything kind of collapse into our home and our front yard and our backyard. Yeah, in many ways, I do feel like our world's got so much smaller and yes that side of connection of friendship that you were mentioning through messenger, right? It's a way to stay connected to our friends, but I'm wondering what other ways have you been able to foster those connections and to keep that sense of having your friends close to you, even if you're far apart during this pandemic, during this new normal, not only for yourself, but also for your, for your son. How are you managing it? A good question. So at the very beginning of COVID, so this was in April, um, I invested some money into our backyard. We're on a budget, but I decided that this was a priority. So we built a gazebo in the backyard that I got from Aldi's actually. And I put up a basketball court for my son. So we would have cocktail hours where my friends would come over and we'd be under the gazebo and he'd be playing basketball with his friends. So that was a nice way to get outside, but still be with our friends. And I've also bought electric blankets. I bought four electric blankets so that as it gets colder and we have a little bit of a heater on the back deck, as it gets colder, I can still have my friends over for hot chocolate and we'll just snuggle in the electric blanket to stay warm. 
but you socially distance though. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And there's only four. Away. There's only four blankets. So I can only have four people on the back deck six feet apart. <laughs> Debbie knows about this. Um, another thing that I have to give huge kudos to my husband. Um, we were talking about overwhelm, and I think it's really important to say it's okay to be overwhelmed and it's okay to mourn the loss of the life that we once had. And there have been times during this COVID, I would say at least four or five times, when I just collapsed into my husband's arms and cried because it's really hard. And then you pick yourself up and you honor the feeling that, yes, this is a hard time, and you try again the next day. Alana, we really, really appreciate your time. And in the spirit of the show, I just wanted to say to you that like, you have come to speak and represent for everybody who's listening what overwhelm can feel like in the details of your life. We got gotcha. you. You know, it is amazing the things that people are feeling and the things that are happening as a result of the pandemic and the the states that have shut down. As I mentioned, I'm in the Bay Area and we've been shut down for months. I wake up and I have no idea what day it is. I mean, I literally wake up and I have no idea. That's idea because what day it's it always Blur's Day. <laughs> I like that. Right I like that. <laughs> totally. But I was really surprised to read about some of of, of the the. This one crisis has turned into a number of crises. For example, alcohol use is up. Opioid use is up. Suicide prevention saying they're getting more calls than, than they normally get. The volume is, is doubled or, or, or tripled. Um, domestic violence is up because you have people who are quarantined with their abusers. Um, and if you intersect the overwhelm and all these things that are happening, I think, I think that they're all a, a, a combination of what's going on in the world right now of overwhelm and with, uh, with mental health. Um, I, I deal with dep depression and I deal with anxiety. I, I'm so sorry. You're so at your house, Jeanette. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay? I'm, I am so sorry. Um, no worries. Somebody was banging on the door, like, I don't know what was going on, and it was just a package, but they literally, like, banged the door, and the dog went mm. absolutely berserk, so I am so sorry. <laughs> well, but one of the, one of the, the, the side effects of, of this pandemic is it is affecting our pets, because our pets are not used to us being there 24-7. And, and yeah, they, and they react to us doing normal things, right? But they want to and they be show with up us in all our Zoom meetings time. and interrupt our most important things, mm. like yeah, constantly. Exactly, and sometimes it's embarrassing, but we can't control it. And and I think this only adds to the sense of oh, one more thing that mm -hmm. I cannot control. And it's not just pets, too, because if you have kids, your kids are you know you're trying to talk on the phone or do something, you get your kids, you get your spouse, you got your dog. Hopefully your spouse is, is house trained and house broken. I know your dog is, so that's a good thing. <laughs> I'll tell you, when I go to the store, I, when I go to the grocery store, every time, the grocery store or the drugstore, literally, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, every time I'm in line behind somebody who's got a cart, that's shopping cart that's full of booze, cases of beer, kids of this, jugs of that, and it, it looks like they're preparing for a 4th of July party and it's the third. 
and they want to make sure that they have everything ready to go. So, so people are self-medicating to try to deal with it. So the way that I deal with that, as I mentioned, I deal with, with depression and anxiety and this overwhelm that I'm feeling right now um, certainly isn't helping those conditions. So if I were going to give advice to someone about how to deal with it, here's how I do it. And that is, you know, I have a to-do list as we all do, but I schedule four times a day that are 20 minute times that are just for me. I can sit and do nothing. I could sit and read a book if I want to. I've got a pool table. I can go and shoot pool for 15 or 20 minutes. But as long as I know that I've got that time, that's my own time. That is, is, is something that, that it brings down and allows me to be present. That's so important, right? Because you really need to have something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And even if it's 20 minutes that are just for you, that you schedule and that you actually have to put them in your list so you don't forget about that. I think that can help tremendously. I'm just wondering, Brian, that if you are, if you know, if someone knows that like, okay, I have this struggle with my mental health all the time. And right now there's more stressors coming at me. I'm more likely to have symptoms. How do you know when the overwhelm is a symptom that you should be really worried about? Or if it's just, just kind of how things are going right now, like what, what should people do to notice their yellow flags before they are feeling, hearing that suicidal ideation in their head or reaching for substances in an unhealthy way? Well, before it gets too dark, the way that I look at depression is like, it's like being in a room with a dimmer switch where you turn it a little bit and a little bit, and you don't notice it it's a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's all the way out and it's dark. So what you need to do is be really, and it's not easy to do, and that, but it's to be really, really self-aware and know when that dimmer switch is starting and then and, and, and have a plan in place for what you're going to do as that dimmer switch moves. How do you realize when it's time to take that extra step? Well, when you know that you're feeling like you don't normally feel, when you know this isn't, you, th- there's a feeling where you know, uh, this is just normal stress. This is just what everybody else deals with. And then there are times when you know that you are, are standing on a cliff looking down at the bluff below. And that's, you know, so before you get to that point, um, somewhere in between where it's just, oh, this is what everybody gets. And I'm really not feeling well. That's when you ask for help. But it's always good to have a person too. You know, have a person, have a go-to person, somebody who gets it and somebody who understands that you can go to and say, I just today, I'm, I'm not, I'm not myself today. Can you kind of hang out with me? Can you, can you keep an eye on me today? Well, we've all been dealing with the sense of overwhelm but we all have our personal hacks. We are not the only ones dealing with this. We are not alone and we got you. So we're gonna share with you little tiny things that can help you just like they've helped us. So I wanna start. For example, I was so big on making these huge to-do lists, but big to-do lists are not feasible and they only drive to frustration, which only adds to more overwhelm. So. Anytime I make a to-do list, I limit it to five things. And then I take off two. And then I take off another one. So I'm only left with two major goals for the day. And if I don't reach them at the end, you know what? Tomorrow is a new day. What works for you, Debbie and Brian? Okay, so for me, overwhelm is about feeling like 
I'm inadequate to the moment, right? Like I mean to get this done or handle this and I'm just not. And what I found is that it usually means I'm taking myself too seriously. I'm either putting too much pressure on myself or I'm feeling like I ought to be able to juggle these three flaming things and also cook dinner or whatever it is. And so the thing that helps me get over that feeling, break that cycle of feeling overwhelmed is deep gut laughter, which I'm hoping will make Brian really happy because that's his job. Mm. He's a comedian. But <laughs> I have found my, my go-to can always make me laugh until I'm crying is reading the best of Damn You Autocorrect. This is a website. <laughs> this is a website that shows text streams where autocorrect got the better of someone. And okay, so my very, very, very favorite one is where this woman writes, um, hey, mom, are you feeling better now? Oh, yes, I really am. Oh, good. I was worried about you this morning. You're right. But I took anal for two hours and I feel much better. <laughs> mom, a nap, a nap, not that other dirty thing. <laughs> It may not be this particular website for you, but if there are memes or stand-up or silly TV shows or whatever it is that really makes you gut laugh, it does really free me up and make me feel like, okay, I probably get one thing done. Plus you get endorphins. So it's a great, great hack. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, <laughs> totally. you know, that, that's one of the things that I do. Um, I, I have two things that I do. One is to watch something that makes me laugh, to watch something online, or if there's a funny movie or something that I find particularly humorous, I'll sit and uh, you know schedule myself a break and uh, and and watch it until I laugh. The other thing that I do is I do some kind of cardio exercise. I, I got a spin bike, and so what I'll do is I'll go and for 15 or 20 minutes I will ride as fast as I can on uh, on my little spinner. And uh, it's something about breaking sweat and the endorphins and it it. The stuff that needs to be done is still there, but it just doesn't seem as, as overwhelming to me after I've done that. Yeah, that, that's really useful, actually, in so many ways. Even taking the dog for a walk counts as mm -hmm. So that way, we are multitasking. But I do think that anything that also grounds you to the moment, whether, as, as Alana was mentioning, whether it's taking a bath, whether it is writing and, and just writing about your feelings and just doing a brain dump on whatever you're mm -hmm. feeling in that moment, whether it's painting, baking, knitting, anything that requires to concentrate on that moment, I also feel that it allows you to take all your anxiety and your sense of overwhelm a little bit down. But of course, that means setting aside those 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, or 60 minutes for yourself. And if I think that if we can really convey that to everybody who is watching us, that it's not selfish to take time for yourself to feel better. I think that's the biggest hack mm -hmm. of all, that you have to understand that you have to put yourself in that priority list, make yourself important, and realize how important it is to really take care of yourself, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, whatever it takes to even hope you feel a little better. Well, and since we got you, we have your questions, which we have been asking all over social media, in my case, because honestly, 
there's so many questions about how to cope better with this sense of being overwhelmed, right? And the most common question that I got was from parents, like, how can I feel less overwhelmed while we're still doing distance learning? Debbie, what question did you get? One of the questions that I saw several times was people who are just trying to figure out what the holiday season could look like. And this is, and so many adults are in that sandwich between worrying about people in a generation younger than they are, and also their own parents or aunts, uncles, or grandparents. Uh, for example, somebody wrote on my Facebook wall when I asked this question, you know, I'm just worried about that holiday meal. You know, I know my mom is in a, a senior center, that's where she lives, and she'll get a meal, but I, I don't know how to experience that without being there with her, without either going there to see her or taking her out. And where's that balance between the emotional risk of not being together and the physical risk of being together? Wow. That, that, I think so many of us are going through that because it's like, how do you balance all these concerns that we have and find a middle ground solution, especially for the holidays? Brian, what are you feeling is the most pressing question in your community? Well, there's one that I, I have been asked or, or it's been mentioned to me several times and I, I get the question, but perhaps you, one, one or both of you have the answer. Uh, and one I got was from a woman who works from home. She's an entrepreneur and she is a single mom and she's trying to figure out how she balances her laptop on one knee and balances her two-year-old on the other and does them both at the same time. I don't have the answer. I, I'm, I am in quarantine with my son. He's 25. He's a little bit big to sit on my lap. So, so I, I can't use him. Uh, but, but do you have any advice for, for her about how to pull that off? I mean, at least her laptop stays where she puts it. You can't say that about a two-year-old. They definitely do not stay where you put them. <laughs> and it stays dry, her laptop. Right. So also, good. hopefully, unless the two-year-old gets a hold of it, in which case it might not stay dry. <laughs> Plus, your laptop never interrupts you, but your, your child will have needs that require immediate attention. So it, it's really hard to to balance all, all those things, right? And I think that in many ways, we're better off being as honest as possible with whoever is on the other side of the screen if we are on a Zoom and just recognizing and acknowledging that, hey, I don't have childcare and I'm trying to do my best. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your best won't be perfect and won't be good enough. But it, it's, it's a really tough question. And so many parents, I, I'm a working mom as well, but for me, it's easier because my kids are teens. But with toddlers and preschoolers, it's a challenge to keep them entertained. So I would try to find blocks of time in which maybe she can be a little more productive while her son is maybe playing right next to her and figure out different little blocks of time might be easier than trying to set aside an hour or two hours. Maybe to break it down into 15 minutes. Maybe what you just said actually is an answer to all the different questions that we read. That honesty, the honesty to say, we can't in this holiday meal have the experience we've had, but I wanna have some of the same feelings. How could we get that? And the honesty to say that online learning it's not gonna be the experience that we had last year, whatever we pictured for this particular grade of our kids' school year, but we can break things into smaller chunks and find different kinds of satisfaction in smaller or more creative ways that 
that's really seems to be how to combat all of these issues is changing how we get to the feelings that we're trying to get to. And it's okay to not be okay, but we need to figure out a way to deal with this. And mm -hmm. we can, and that's why we have you here. And that's why we're trying to show you that you're not alone and that we've got you. Well, this has gone by very quickly and a pleasure chatting with you two ladies. And so uh, I thought we would end things by um, giving our viewers a final thought, just something that you're thinking about in terms of overwhelm or in terms of, of the pandemic or the other things we're struggling with. Um, my son Casey is a musician and he did an album recently that is called Just For Now. And what he meant by that is everything that's happening right now is just for now. It's not forever. This too shall pass. So I've been kind of using that as a personal mantra. Whenever I'm feeling like, oh, I got to tear my hair out. I can't stand one more day in here again. I got to get out and get back to my regular life. I think, well, hang on, take a deep breath. This is just for now. It's just for now. It's not forever. It's just for now. That's a really good way to think about it because the way that I handle overwhelm is I try and remind myself all the times in my life that have been the hardest times that when I lost my mom, when each of my babies was tiny and God love them, difficult, when I've really struggled with a job loss or something, the thing that is the most overwhelming in that moment is this sense that, oh my gosh, it's always going to be like this now. I'm always going to be crushed by grief, or I'm always going to be laying under the weight of a freaking out two-year-old, or I'm always, and, and there is no always. I have to keep reminding myself now the same things I wish I could go back and tell myself then. It is really hard, and it is not always. So that feeling of overwhelm will change, even if you can't picture when or how. Yeah, and we can't predict when or how it will happen, but... I do think that we need to keep in mind that the way that, get, that we get through this is one day at a time, one hour at a time, one minute at a time. Sometimes instead of feeling so overwhelmed by everything that's going on, and rightfully so, I think if we break it down into smaller chunks, okay, I need to get through this minute. I'll get through this half an hour. I'll get through this hour. I'll get through this day it will become a little more manageable. And as Brian was saying, this too shall pass. And in the meantime, we got you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of We Got You. You can like and subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on social media. You can find me at Ask Dr. G pretty much everywhere. And my website is askdrg.com. My name is Jeanette Kaplun. You can find me at Jeanette Kaplun and read my blog, hispanaglobal.net. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Copey, or you can go to briancopeland.com. And remember, we got you.